What is happening in the great outdoors? How's the ice fishing season going? Well, we've got the man. Steve Carney joins us. Steve Carney, outdoors.com. Joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Hey, Happy New Year, Steve. Hey, Happy New Year, Steve. Good to hear your voice and another wonderful year of conversing with one of my favorite guys. Well, that that is very nice. Uh, let's uh, Before we... Uh, get into the ice fishing season let's talk a little bit about uh what happened out there and late season pheasant hunt well it was interesting ending kind of to the year um you know it was all kind of weather related again you know a lot of these pheasants are bunched up right now and season ends tomorrow and um just mainly you know there was so much snow and that really made you know moving around very difficult uh, overall, a pretty good season. I'm, I'm a little worried about uh, how this winter is shaping, you know, with all the snow and the cold. And, you know, they need cattail protection through the winter. That's where they burrow down and, and get protection. But there's so much snow, it, it's really forced all those cattails and squashed them down and really affected their cover. So um, I'm hoping, you know, that we kind of get through this winter. You know, last winter was really tough on them. And I'm hoping that, you know, things moderate a little bit so they can get through the season. But overall, um, I think on a 1 to 10 was probably about a 7, which for Minnesota is pretty good. Yeah, and uh, cover is, is so important for for pheasants and, and habitat, et cetera. And then, of course, uh, the winter. And then not only that, what, what's the weather like in the spring for the hatch? Yeah, you know, they need a really a perfect spring to pull off yeah. a hatch, and you don't want any, you know, inclement weather. You don't want hail. You don't want extreme cold. So if you can get kind of a normal spring where they can get a good hatch, uh, that that's everything. You know, and if they fail on their first, you know, try, they always try again a second time. And sometimes in ideal conditions, they can have two hatches in the spring, which, you know, is really awesome because they can have seven or eight chicks on each hatch. So, you know, it's all weather dependent. You know, Steve, with fishing and hunting that we talk about all the time, it's amazing how much weather has an effect in everything that we do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and now we're kind of in that mode where uh, we just try to get through it, plow through the next 90 days and, and get to springtime. There's a lot of people that enjoy being out on the ice. We talk about it frequently this time of year. Uh, very popular sport, more and more people getting into it. Uh what are you what are you seeing right now on the ice? What's the bite like? Well, you know the bite is really good, Steve. I was out this morning and got on the crappies. It took me two hours to find them, and that's you know as you get into January like this, um, that can happen. And you know I drilled maybe thirty, forty holes, moved around, finally found them. Um, same with the walleyes. It's been kind of the same thing. You know we're getting fish almost every time, but it's not you know hand over fist by any means. You got to work at it, but. I'm finding really different conditions on different lakes. Uh, one lake I was on, we had flooding problems. We drilled four holes, set up a big hub house, and 45 minutes later we had water up to our ankles. And, you know, there's so much weight on the ice right now, Steve. I mean, there we've got 15 inches of snow, you know, in a good part of Minnesota on top of really good ice, and it's a lot of weight, and it forces water out of the holes. And... It's no fun when you're sloshing around in that stuff. And I was on a different lake this morning, and there's absolutely no problem with the flooding. So it kind of depends lake to lake what's going on. But overall, 
Um, we've got 15 inches of ice almost statewide. Uh, I wouldn't recommend driving a vehicle. There are some people doing that, but it's pretty much an ATV snowmobile affair right now. Um, you want to check in with resorts, make sure that, you know, roads are plowed. That's probably your best option. You know, if we get another seven, eight inches of snow this week, like they're saying, um, it's going to be, it's going to make things a lot more difficult. So, it's best to check in with the resorts, make sure the roads are plowed. If not, you're going to be on a snowmobile because another seven inches on top of 15, it's going to be uh, a snowmobile affair. But, you know, to me, in a snowmobile, 20 inches of snow is awesome. I mean, all that powder, uh, that that's just one of the greatest uh, feelings when you're cruising along and that stuff. So, you know, we'll just have to see what happens. And I'm really happy about the mild weather. We've had, you know, 22, 28, 31 the last few days. It looks like it's going to be in the 20s for another week. And I'm celebrating, you know, very nice temperature to be able to get out and ice fish. And I think that's why there's so many people out, especially today. They're out everywhere. But, you know, it's the perfect day. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, mild mild weather indeed brings the folks out. And we do have that uh, storm that you alluded to kind of bearing down on the region. We're keeping an eye on that. Once again, a winter storm watch uh, here for a good swath of the state of Minnesota. You look, this extends from uh, Duluth Superior right through the metro area down towards Sioux Falls. So a big chunk of the state under that winter storm watch as this thing tracks through the region. The way it looks impacts here in the cities uh, Monday night, Tuesday, before it moves on out of here on Tuesday night. Uh, Based on all of that, Steve, what are your plans in the coming days? Well, I'm going to watch that same storm, Steve, and see if we're going to be held hostage or not. Um, You know, that's what what seems to be happening in Minnesota this winter. It's like, you know, right when you kind of get things going and you get on the fish and you get certain areas that are hot, then all of a sudden you get a big storm and wind and everything changes. And so I'm hoping it misses me and certainly can hit you guys. That's fine. But maybe it'll leave us alone up in the northern part of the state. But as always, you know, we just got to wait and see what happens and see if it affects our travel on the ice. And it probably won't affect the fishing because fishing is really pretty good right now. And the snow cover has had a lot to do with it. There's very little light penetration through the ice now with all the snow cover. And it's keeping the fish very active. The crappies have been six, seven feet of water. The walleye's been 11, 12 feet of water, mainly because of the snow cover. Uh, they like it when it's dark. They don't like the light penetration, and it keeps them very active. So right now, conditions are great. Um, we'll just have to see what happens this week. All right, Steve, always good to visit with you. A Happy New Year. We'll do it again in one week. Sounds good, Steve. Happy New Year, and to all our faithful listeners that listen to us every Saturday. There he is, Steve Carney. Steve Carney, Outdoors.com. Joining us here on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. We're going to take a break. We're going to talk hockey. Jess Myers from the Rink Live. Cool story. Golden Gold for men's hockey team later today on the road at Bemidji State. They took a little detour to the Iron Range. We'll have Jess tell that story coming up. And, oh, by the way, the Wilder in action in St. Paul today, a 5 o'clock start. We'll get Jess's thoughts on the Wild as well here on News Talk. 830-WCCO. Busy hockey day. Minnesota Bemidji State, college game today at 5 up in Bemidji. And then in St. Paul, it'll be the Blues and the Wild 
Uh, the Wild coming off a loss to the Dallas Stars in St. Paul. And to sort it all out, Jess Myers from the rink live. Happy New Year, Jess. Happy New Year to you, Steve. How are you doing? You're right. It's a busy hockey day. It's not like a year ago when we were getting ready for the Winter Classic here in Minnesota. But, boy, I, I wish we were because today would be like perfect weather for outdoor hockey. Last year it was so crazy cold on New Year's Day. But, hey, oh. you take what you get in Minnesota. Yeah, you know, it's so funny about that. You brought up the Winter Classic. Uh, I was driving by Target Field uh, not all that long ago and said, I just couldn't imagine. It, it just, I, for the people that, that made it through the entire game at Target Field for that Winter Classic, good for you. Not me. Um, not, I, 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 I would have I I bailed out. Yeah, i got to give a stick salute to my son Noah and his friend Morgan. They, you know, knowing how cold it was last New Year's Day, they figured people would kind of be bailing on the tickets. They managed to get in for like under a hundred bucks, like last minute, and just bundled up like they were going deer hunting, and they went and had a good time. Yeah, um, it, it reminiscent of that Viking Seahawks playoff game outdoors at then TCF Bank Stadium at the U. I, I was taking my daughter back to college in Arizona at the time, listen to the game on the radio on the way from Phoenix to Tucson. But I knew people at that game out in the seats, and it was kind of like I was I was glad to be in Arizona, not not in the stands at the U that day. But And, of that, course, the classic moment of that game, because it was like 10 below that day at, at DCF Bank Stadium, they, they line up for the coin flip, and Bud Grant comes out to help with the coin flip and he's wearing a golf shirt, and the place just went crazy. <laughs> that 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 certainly put it in perspective. Of course, uh, anybody old enough to remember uh, the Vikings that played at the mat, uh, Bud didn't allow the heaters and all that nonsense uh, on the sideline uh, way back in the day. Jess Myers joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Let's get started. Cool story at the rink live about this Golden Gopher men's hockey team. Uh, took a bit of a detour on their way to Bemidji. If you're going from the Twin Cities to Bemidji, Evelyn is definitely not on your way. But I'm not Great story. He said he's at practice. His assistant coaches are running practice, so he's got nothing to do. And his mind wanders, and he's staring up at the ceiling, and he sees the banner honoring John Mayasich. You know, his number eight is the only retired number they've had in a 102 years of gopher hockey. Well, John's 89 now. He turns 90 in May. He's retired. He lives in Eveleth. And Bob said it dawned on him, hey, we're heading up north. we got to go see John Mayasich, even if it's, you know, an hour or two out of your way, whatever. He said he got on the phone. He called some people. He got John's number. He talked to him and said, hey, we're coming to see you. Um, excuse me, Mayasich says, who's coming to see me? And he says, the whole Gopher team. Yeah. And they showed up at the rink in Eveleth. They took pictures. Uh, it was just a, a really cool kind of last-minute thing and a way to, you know, these kids, you know, I, I'm way too young to remember John Masich playing, and these kids are certainly too young to, to know much about him. But to meet a guy like that, I went and looked up his numbers, Steve. He averaged three points a game or better when, during four years as a gopher. I mean, just crazy the, the prolific offense he provided for this team back in the 50s. And, of course, you know, he was a star for Eveleth High School when they were winning every state tournament every year and retired from high school hockey with every offensive record you can imagine. And, and some of them still stand today. Yeah, and the, the cradle of hockey in this state, that's for sure. 
uh, cool side trip, Bob Motzko doing all the right things. It really has this program going uh, in, in the right direction. I, I don't think anybody doubted Bob Motzko when uh, he, he came in and took this thing over that eventually he'd win. And uh, I, I think he's going to win big over a long period of time. I, I think, uh, you know, national championships and, and that sort of thing are, are certainly in his future a, a great guy. Now with this game, Bemidji State, um, did, does this count toward the pairwise or is this straight-up exhibition today? This is a straight-up exhibition game. Okay. And it's one of those deals where – after COVID, the NCAA, you know, you used to only be able to play exhibition games against Canadian schools for the most part. Well, after COVID, when it was hard to get games on your schedule, the NCAA kind of loosened things, and they said, if you want to play other Division One teams and just have them not count in the standings, we will allow that. And you talk about Bob Mosco and, you know, some of the good things he's done for this program. Well, one of the really important things for him, he went to St. Cloud State, he coached at St. Cloud State, he knows kind of the aura of the Gophers, in Minnesota hockey, he's made sure that as much as they can, they play the other teams in the state, even if it's an exhibition game like tonight going up to Bemidji or, you know, last year they had an exhibition against St. Thomas. He played that at Doug Woog Arena over in South St. Paul, you know, kind of uh, another one of those cradles of hockey. So really cool to to get out there and, you know, get your team out and play, keep those in-state rivalries going, even though they're not in the same conference anymore. Yeah, and uh, they'll jump right back into the Big Ten portion of the schedule in short order. And the expectations for this team are through the roof. We talked about it during the first half, Jess, that this is a team that that should be thinking Frozen Four and competing for national championships. The, The ingredients are there. Absolutely. You know, and it starts with goaltending, and it was about a year ago that they had to make that abrupt change in goal that nobody saw coming. They thrust Justin Close in there, and he has been fantastic. Now, part of that, and he will acknowledge this, is he's got three of the best defensemen in college hockey playing in front of him. You know, Ryan Johnson, Brock Faber, and Jackson Lacombe could likely step into NHL lineups tomorrow, and they they made it clear that they were coming back for another year of college hockey. And, uh, you know, so that really helps on the back end. On the front end, you have two fantastic – well, you have four fantastic lines, but that top line that Motsko has put together with Logan Cooley, Jimmy Snuggerud, and Matthew Nyes, I had one coach this year say that that's the best line he's ever seen. Not this wow. year, not you know in college hockey. He said it's the best line he's ever seen, period. So uh, that's just a fun group to watch. And, and it starts with all of those guys, but you're absolutely right. The expectations are high, and I think rightly so. I really think this is a team that – that can and should get to the Frozen Four, and can and should win two games there. It is a long season, but another point is, you get to New Year's Day, you you turn the calendar, and it really goes quick now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I talked to Bob Mosco about this a couple of days ago. You know, and he, he references Doug Wu because he says so much of what he's done in college hockey, he stole from other people, and Doug Wu was one of his real mentors. One of the things Doug Wood told him, and, and he, he swears by it, is your season is like an elevator. You're never in one place. You're either going up or going down, and the key is you got to keep your elevator going up all the time. And this is a team, after about the uh, middle of November, their elevator has been rocketing up, and they just need to keep it that way. you know. And there are things you can't control. They've been pretty healthy. They've had a little bit of illness, but they haven't had a lot of serious injury. So you, you pray for good health if you're a Gopher fan. But, but again, all of the elements are in place. 
and uh, and things really seem to be looking up as the second half approaches here. Yeah, Jess, uh, Bemidji State, Minnesota coming up. That's a 5 o'clock uh, late afternoon matinee in Bemidji, and that is available on uh, Fox 9 Plus uh, here in the cities this afternoon. want to get your thoughts on the Wild on a real upswing. They, they uh, spit the bit a bit and uh, lose to the Dallas Stars in St. Paul to get the Blues today. That's a 5 o'clock start in St. Paul. Uh, but really a tip of the cap to this this Wild team. And they're getting surprisingly good goaltending from someone other than Marc-Andre Fleury. That maybe stands out as much as anything. Remember the first couple games of the season where it seems like they were giving up about a touchdown every night and there was all this intensity to panic and, oh, boy, what are they going to do between the pipes? Well, to their credit, they're like, be patient. Things have kind of worked themselves out. Don't overreact. And you're right. Philip Gustafson has been a a very capable, very good backup to Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov is doing exactly what you expect from Kirill Kaprizov. He's, he's running the show. He's, uh, he's leading the way. And you're right. They did have kind of a hiccup against Dallas the other night. And that's maybe one of those good kind of corrections that you need, kind of a good reminder of the way you have to play and the way you have to bring an effort night in and night out. They played their hearts out against the Stars. And, and you know, going way back, we talk about I'm a Minnesota sports fan. There's nobody you want to beat more than Dallas because, hey, I, I know it's been about yeah. 30 years, but I'm still bitter that uh, that the North Stars left, and, and I know a lot of other people are too. But, uh, you know, that, that I think at this point in the season is one of those good reminders of what you've got to do night in and night out to, to keep being competitive in a very good uh, central division here. Yeah, and Blues have been mediocre to this point, so we'll see how that plays out. And then uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, coming up on Wednesday after the new year for the Wild. It, it, it's such a long season. But uh, once again, goaltending continues to uh, hold up. Uh, they'll have an opportunity. And I think you could say that all the way down to, to Mites. You get good goaltending, you got a chance. You, you talk about the length of the hockey seasons, and, you know, the NHL is even longer than, than college hockey. You know, the, the NHL, we always joke that they have the Stanley Cup parade, and the next day is the draft, and the day after that is training camp, it seems like. Yeah. But but Bob Motzko likes to say of the college hockey season, you know, it runs so long that their first game was on October 1st, and if everything goes well, your last game is going to be on, I think it's April 10th. He said, we're the only sport that starts during the end of baseball season, and we're still going at the start of baseball season. Yeah, absolutely. I, w- I was just going to say that. You know, they talk about the length of the baseball season. I don't, I don't think college hockey has anything on that. Well, Jazz, great piece at the rink live. Really enjoy it. Uh, folks should check it out on that uh, side trip to the Iron Range for the Golden Gopher men's hockey team. Well done, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, Steve, always good to talk to you. Uh, Happy New Year to you, and let's uh, let's talk more in 2023, huh? Yeah, sounds good. There he is, Jess Myers from the Rink Live, joining us here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Just another uh, thought on what's happened with the Minnesota Wild. And you, you knew that when they made the decision that, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury, you know, would, would be the guy. But the way Gustafson's played is, is just a huge bonus. And another tip of the cap uh, to Bill Guerin and the general manager to, to 
inherit a team that was in salary cap hell in the NHL because of the Parisian suitor contracts. And they're not out of it. But uh, what he has been able to do to, to make this club a playoff contender and keep this club in playoff contention in spite of the salary cap constraints is just extraordinary. Um, he, he has done a phenomenal job. Uh, we're going to talk golf. Ron Syrak, who's covered the game for a long, long time, for, for all the big publications, is going to join us. We're going to take a look back at 2022 and a look ahead. Yes, we'll, we'll talk live versus PGA Tour, but we'll also uh, talk about the major champions in the men's and women's game and take a look ahead at the majors in uh, 23 with Ron in a moment. By the way, first playoff game, college football of the day, TCU dominating Michigan 21-3, to late fourth quarter down in Glendale, Arizona, at the Fiesta Bowl. Then, uh, later on at the Peach Bowl down in Atlanta, Georgia, another home game. They get to Ohio State in the other semifinal. We'll keep an eye on it for you here at News Talk, E3OWCCO. It is clearly we're in that time of year when folks in this part of the world, where it's snow and cold and the golf courses are closed, that uh, we, we long for a day on the links. And when those golf tournaments on television start to crank up, particularly the Tournament of Champions out in Hawaii, we, we start to dream of warmer weather. Uh, my oldest daughter was looking at a house in uh, northeast Minneapolis, not far from Columbia Golf Course, uh, a fun city course in the city of Minneapolis. And I thought, well, I'd lo- love to play 18 today. But <laughs> that is months away in these parts. Ron Syrak joins us. Uh, he he uh, certainly spends time in a cold part of the country as well. Uh, Ron, longtime golf journalist, good enough to join us here on News Talk E3OWCCO. Happy New Year, Ron. Happy New Year to you, too. And uh, we were up in the middle 50s today, so there were people out on the golf course. Nice. No snow on the golf course. Yeah, we have a lot of snow on the ground here. It's been really cold. I I suppose it's one of those days if we didn't have snow on the ground, uh, the hardcores would have been able to tee it up. But uh, good old Columbia uh, in its winter slumber right now. It's it's kind of a fun golf course in northeast Minneapolis. Uh, Got got a lot of elevation change on it. It's a hilly golf course. Uh, A lot of fun. Uh, but, uh, Ron, we wanted to take a look back at, at 22 and look forward to 23, and I don't think we could talk about golf without talking about that uh, PGA Tour live battle, if you will, that formed Greg Norman, Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, etc. cetera. Uh, that, that was the big story in golf, no doubt. Yeah, you know, last year at this time, it wasn't even really on our radar screen. Yeah. You know, it's the story started to break early in the year, about February, and uh, we started to hear from Greg Norman. They started to set up tournaments. And and now, uh, you know, we're going to see going forward uh, a couple of interesting things, uh, which is, one, um, um, if the antitrust suit makes it into a court, the earliest it's going to get into a court is August or September of this coming year. And, and, and my guess is that's probably an optimistic thing. And two is going to be what happens with official world ranking points. Uh, um, the Masters has come out and said it's not going to change its um, eligibility criteria. So those players who are, who are past champions 
who have exemptions because they won other major championships, U.S. Open, PGA, British Open, uh, or in the top 50 in the world rankings, will get in. Uh, what we don't know going down the road is, um, you know, those players who are playing live golf right now are, are falling like a rock in the world rankings. And so eventually they're going to fall out of the uh, out of the top 50, and, and uh, that that's going to close an important door open to them into some of the majors. Yeah, and for example, Dustin Johnson already has a green jacket. Based on what we heard from Augusta yeah. National, he would be eligible. Cameron Smith, who won the Open Championship at St. Andrews, uh, would be eligible to play in the Masters, even though they took the money and made the jump uh, to live. So th- those are a couple of examples that come to mind. Phil Mickelson, of course, a past champion at Augusta National, uh, obviously uh, w- would be eligible to play there. But you bring up the world ranking points going forward a- a- as a way to get into the Masters, for example. The fact that they play 54-hole, no-cut, limited field events, I-, I just don't know how the official world golf ranking w- would accommodate that going forward. Yeah, there's there's a there's a whole bunch of things that they have in their format that the World Golf Ranking doesn't like. Forty eight player field, uh, they're not a fan of. Uh, certainly the no cut thing, fifty four holes, uh, they're not a fan of any of that. They're probably not a fan of the shotgun starts, you know. So uh, it, it will be interesting to see uh, um, how what they decide to do. And and the weird thing in all this is essentially the board that runs the World Rankings are the heads of all the tours. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they, they've got a, they've got a horse, horse in this race. It looks now, I would expect this year, that all the majors will follow the lead of the Masters and maintain their eligibility requirements. So uh, anybody who wins a major, um, you get into the other majors for five more years. Mm. So, so, so um, uh, the Matt, Cam Smith, as a, as a, the, uh, you know, will get into the uh, – uh, U.S. Open for for another five years. Now the Open, both Open Championships, U.S. Open, British Open, you can also get in there by going to a qualifier too and qualify and play your way in that way. I don't think they will close those doors. You know, they will say uh, if you can get here that way, you can. It will be there will be those players who were who are looking to get into the majors by being in the top fifty in the world rankings and. Uh, and if they fall out of the top 50, uh, a big door is closed. Yeah, and once again, the open format, particularly the United States Open, because I've you know, known players that have gone through local qualifying yep. and then ultimately sectional qualifying and have made it into the United States Open that way, it is doable. It just isn't easy. No, it's it's you know uh, it's a grind, you know, and yeah, you don't know, sure. you know, you go to a and you go to a thirty-six hole qualifier. You, really, you don't even have to play a bad round. You could just have a bad couple of holes, you know, and and right. and it it knocks you out of it because uh, some of those qualifiers, you get a lot of, of really good players trying to trying to play their way in. Usually, U.S. Opens one hundred and fifty-six player field. Usually about half the field is exempt in, and then so that leaves you another uh, 75 or so spots open to, to play your way in. And that's coming from uh, qualifiers spread out uh, now, not just all over the United States, but all over the world uh, to try to get into there. So it, it's, a, it's a tough competition. So the, the the live story versus PGA Tour story are not going away. One other quick thought on that. 
Tiger Woods made comments, and I think it was before the tournament he was hosting uh, the, this this fall, and he basically said something along the lines of, if Greg Norman's out of the picture, we might be able to talk. Yeah, you know, uh, Rory McIlroy said similar things, and, and I think one of the things that we're seeing emerge here is Greg Norman is really not very well liked, you know, yeah, and right. uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he tried to do this 30 years ago to the PGA Tour, you know, in, in the mid 90s, he, he uh, put together a, a, a similar sort of proposition, guaranteed money. I think they even had smaller fields, 40 player fields, maybe. Uh, he, and and it, it, it blew up in his face. It, it fell apart. And, uh, you know, one of the things that happened with Greg when he got involved with Liv is all this sort of um, dislike that some players have had for him over the years. They all of a sudden felt they could step forward and now say it, you know. So mm-hmm. so uh, there does seem to be uh, um, um, Tiger and Rory have both said, you know, maybe we can talk with them, but we're not going to do it as long as Greg's involved. All right, Ron, b- before we run out of time, uh in the in the men's game and in the women's game, uh, you you've covered both extensively in your great career. Uh, players to watch in twenty three. Who who do you look forward to to seeing? Uh, you know, continue their climb up the ladder, if you will. Well, you know, on on the men's side, uh, um, uh, two things. One, uh, as somebody who's who's climbing up there, Cameron Young, who is the PGA Tour Rookie of the Year this year, is just uh, uh, he he really impressed the heck out of me this year. He kills the golf ball, hits it a ton, doesn't seem phased by pressure. I'm also fascinated by the fact that this whole live golf thing has seemed to reignited the competitive fire under Rory McIlroy. Uh, it seemed like he was in contention at every major last year. You know, yes. he, he didn't get a major championship in there, but he played well. And uh, uh, he hasn't won a major now. He's got four majors, but hasn't won one since uh, 2014. I expect to see him uh, get back on, on, on track there this year. And I do think that this little thing has, has um, rekindled his passion. Uh, you know, on the women's side, uh, uh, a couple of players I'm looking to see if Lexi Thompson hasn't won a, a tournament now. She had won at least one tournament seven years in a row up through 2019. Then the COVID interruption came, and she's never gotten back on track after that. Um, I'll be curious to see uh, if, she, if she gets it back going. And then whether Lydia Ko continues to build on what she did last year. Great, great comeback year for her uh, in 2022. And uh, um, she hasn't won a major since 2016. I expect her to get one next year. Yeah, and Jennifer Cupcho, who won uh, uh, the yeah. Augusta National oh, Women's Amateur, uh, got, got a major to her credit in 2022. And that, that's that's terrific to see someone who won, which is now one of my favorite tournaments now to, to see the, the young women, the amateurs, play at Augusta National. I think it's terrific. Yeah, Cupcho won the uh, the first major of the year, the Chevron Championship, and then she proved it was no fluke by backing it up with two more wins on tour. So she really seems to be – and you know what I like about her? She's one of those players who – she played four years of competitive college golf. And yeah. uh, we're, seeing, we're seeing more and more of that because college golf's improved so much that if you stay in college, you can get the competitive experience you used to need to turn pro to get now. And uh, um, uh, I, I think that she was uh, is is a good example that way of uh, that four years of college is not a bad route to go. And, and what about that Augusta National yeah. uh, Women's Amateur? I, I think it's a, 
a, a tremendous addition to the golf calendar. I, I, I love it. And a big boost this year is um, Chevron has taken over uh, as the sponsor of what used to be the old Dinah Shore tournament, the first yes. major of the year. And that's been go- that's been uh, head-to-head against the Augusta National Women's Amateur, which has sort of um, um, interfered in both events. Well, they're now moving. They're not only moving the Chevron Championship from Palm Springs to Houston, they're moving it two weeks later in the year. So uh, that tournament used to get swallowed up both by NCAA Final Four and the Masters. And then they created the Augusta National Women's Amateur. Yeah. So it, it needed to be moved. They've done the right thing and moved it away. That's going to make the Augusta National Women's Amateur and the Chevron Championship both stronger events. Well, Ron, always good to visit with you. Happy New Year, and hopefully we can do it again in 23. Talk to you down the road, my friend. All right, there he is, Ron Syrak. RonSyrak.com, a highly decorated golf journalist, does a fantastic job and a contributor uh, to Golf Channel. Ten minutes now in front of 5 o'clock. Here at News Talk, E3O-WCCO. College football playoff at the half. TCU leading Michigan 21 to 6. The Wolverines have been stumbling and bumbling, and TCU's taken advantage. Winner to the title game. Later, Georgia takes on Ohio State. That'll be played in Atlanta at the Peach Bowl. Uh, if you're wondering, TCU and Michigan playing out in the desert there in Glendale, Arizona, at the home of the Arizona Cardinals for the Fiesta Bowl in that one. Some other bowl games uh, today, and we we got to check the, the scoreboard. There are other games on this New Year's Eve because the NFL takes over tomorrow. Uh, college football wisely getting out of the way of uh, the 800-pound gorilla in sports, which is the NFL. Uh, Alabama beat Kansas State 45-20 to in the Sugar Bowl. Kansas State had a pretty good year. I, I, I am impressed, but Alabama rolls in the uh, Sugar Bowl. How about Iowa? Uh, they beat Kentucky 21-0 in the Music City Bowl. So there you go. Those, those are the bowl games uh, today uh, around college football. Timberwolves tonight, it'll be the Timberwolves and the Pistons from Target Center. The Timberwolves losing streak is five. And it seemed like for two weeks I was talking about this road trip. And this was a really tough road trip. They started in Boston. They go to Miami. They they go to New Orleans. They end up in Milwaukee. Some pretty good teams with some high-end talent. And the Timberwolves on this road trip, some missed opportunities. Celtics pulled away in that game in the fourth quarter, shifted it into another gear, took care of business. But in Miami, um, they were shorthanded in that game. No Jimmy, no Bam, and the Timberwolves didn't take advantage. And then in New Orleans, uh, the Pelicans and Zion got it done late in that game. And then the, the finale of the road trip, it was Giannis and the Bucks pulling away. And you, you could see it coming in the third. And then ultimately in the fourth quarter, 
they, they pull away and beat the Timberwolves. So they go over four on the trip. They've dropped five. They get Detroit at home tonight. They need a W, and we'll get into that uh, in in more detail next hour. Timberwolves and Pistons pregame at 630 here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O.